mindfulness mode. I think we have to revolve first back to our before-born self, to that original soul self that was connected to the divine. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, I am absolutely sure that you are going to totally enjoy this this interview today. I'm here with my friend and expert in so many areas. I'm here with a human design reader and certified hypnotist with the National Guild of Hypnotists. Now, she has experienced some real challenges in her life. She's experienced adrenal fatigue, depression, anxiety, and through intense self-help work, she went through a process she describes as gently burning everything down. I'm here with my friend Heidi Hazen. Heidi, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am, Bruce. That's great. I'm so excited to be here. And I just want to continue that little bit of a bio I was talking about. And I was just about to say, now she works with others who have been down this same road of wondering what life's all about. And she's so passionate about her work as a human design reader and hypnotist. And I certainly know that about you, Heidi, and how much you love to help your clients to do the most important work they'll ever do, which is finding their way back to their original self so that they may authentically live. So you are authentically living. And Heidi, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness to me really is um, living from kind of taking a step behind and above myself, kind of looking from that wiser part of myself and living from that space of being a little bit detached from the circumstances that are that are happening in the moment and really seeing things from a higher perspective that's more um, more in line with sort of my my authentic self, my highest self or my soul self, where I'm not getting trapped in the nitty-gritty of things i'm really taking in the big picture well one of the things you've said heidi is that you'd allowed yourself to be so buried within you what does that really mean can you get into more detail and describe to us how you truly felt of course um I, i believe that we come in our souls get dropped into the body of a baby And from that moment, we start to experience conditioning and um, programming, and we, we, we experience receiving these layers that sort of cover up our soul or our authentic self. And those layers are in the subconscious. So as babies, infants, toddlers, young children, we're going through that rapid development, and we're really sponges to everything in our environment. And as we receive messages that are not in alignment with our soul, feeling whole, loved, um, worthy, we take on these layers and they start to cover us up. And some people are raised in, in environments where there is space held for them to be unique and their own individual self. Um, and sometimes those people don't have a lot of layers. They, they still have access to live from their soul, just sort of uncovered. But I think for the majority of us, we experience a lot of conditioning and it feels like being buried. I mean, it really feels like, gosh, there's part of me and I don't have access to that anymore because I am 
you know, keeping all of these balls in the air and spinning all of these plates to be a member of this family, to be a member of this community, to be a member of this school, to be friends with these people. And so we, we really can experience a part where we feel so separate from our authentic self or our soul. And suddenly it was, you know, we kind of have a wake up moment of, wow, I'm really off course. Like I'm very detached from, and, and then there's that ache that, that is the indicator of we're, we're, we're not whole. We're not, you know, we're living two separate lives. We're living this, um, we're existing and we're living from this sort of representative that we've created out of all the conditioning. And then there's the soul self who has its own purpose and wants to live so uncovered. Um, and so then there is the work of, of going from where you are and uncovering those layers to get back to communion and harmony with yourself. Well, that's so that's what I did. That is really interesting. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked a lot, but we've not really talked very much about human design and the work you do in human design. Can you share with us what that is like and how you found it and how you help people with human design? Yes. So I am, because I've had this I've really been on this journey of self-discovery for more than half my life. I mean, I had a, um, I had a childhood that was kind of um, unexpected and it had a lot of th the bottom dropped out kind of a lot for me. And so by the time I was in college, I was really already very interested in self-discovery and, you know, Myers-Briggs personality tests, strengths finders, Enneagram, that kind of thing, because I just wanted to understand. I knew that I wasn't operating as myself. And so I was constantly looking for tools that would help me understand who am I, what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it? So when I discovered human design, it blew everything that I had already experienced out of the water. When we do something like the Enneagram, which can be very helpful and people use it all the time um, and get a lot of um, insight into themselves and relief maybe from that. But when we have to answer questions um, on a test or a quiz, when we're answering questions, we're answering from our conscious mind. And our conscious mind is a tiny little piece of our mind in totality. And it's directly influenced by our subconscious programming. So every time we check a box on a quiz, it's our subconscious that's actually communicating. So it's our wounding, it's our conditioning. Um, so I don't put a lot of trust into things that we're just answering questions from. Um, and that became really apparent to me because my Enneagram changed. Um, because I took it before I had done a, a a really sort of big part of my healing journey. And then I revisited the Enneagram after I had done a lot of realigning with my, like digging myself out and realigning with my soul and my number, I took it multiple times on different platforms and my Enneagram changed from a six to a two. Uh -huh. It's because I had healed so much of my subconscious um, wounding. I had healed so many, um, so many of my different wounded children um, that I no longer operate as a six. My, my brain is no longer wired as a six. So when I found human design, you don't answer any questions. You provide your date of birth, your exact time of birth, and the location of your birth. That's all you do. And, you, and it generates something called a body graph. And um, 
when I discovered it a couple of years ago, it was the most profound, most accurate, most validating tool for self-discovery I had ever come across. So human design is, it's the science or the study of your energetic body. So we're all energetic beings having a human existence. Um, human design is the combination of these ancient modalities that were used to help people live their best life. So it's um, astrology, it's the I Ching, it's the um, Kabbalistic tree of life and the Hindu chakra, chakra system and um, quantum physics. So it's a lot of stuff. It's very, very heady, but it's the combination, the synthesis of synthesis of these separate modalities that creates human design. So I'd like to use a car analogy because we all know what cars are. And a lot of this stuff is, feels super heady. Like what is the I Ching? Um, so we have a physical body, which is like the vehicle, it's the cards, the seats and the steering wheel and the, how big is it? Is it a two door? Is it a four door? Is it whatever? You, the soul are the driver and the energetic body, your energetic body is what's under the hood. So it's how many speeds do you have? Are, you know, how big is the gas tank? How are you meant to get from point A to point B? Um, so human design is the study of what's underneath that, like literally how you're meant to go through life, how you're meant to navigate. Human design is like having a manual a map and a GPS for your life. Wow. And it highlights your uniqueness. It shows how you're meant to go, how you're meant to recognize when to go, when not to go, um, when you're being led to the next right thing for you. Um, it, they're really profound, but incredibly simple tools that human design gives you in how to operate within your energetic type. Um, and it's just a profound system for understanding something that we don't spend a lot of time thinking about. I mean, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about two things that I think are the, probably the most important two things that we could pay attention to. That is our subconscious mind and our energetic body, because we'll take care of our physical body. We'll drink water and we'll exercise and do these things, but we don't spend a lot of time taking care of our energy like in our energetic body, how we're meant to do things. Um, and we don't spend a lot of time really getting into that subconscious space where everything is. Like if you want to change a habit, you've got to go into the subconscious to make that change. So I use human design. Human design is really helpful. It's a fun, validating, helpful tool. Um, and I have been reading since 2019 and um, I use it to help people. It's almost like I see the curtain pull apart and I see their soul shining through their own eyes wow. because it's so beautiful. It's so intricate. Um, and so I can help them. I can give them these tools in that session that they leave with and they immediately go, oh, that's not an alignment. Now I'm recognized. Now I'm recognizing when I'm going against my, right. you know, ease or here's the name of my resistance. And Heidi, how did your life change when you had your first human design reading done? Um, I never had one done. Oh, you didn't? I started to look into it for myself and I immediately understood it. 
And that's part of my own gift. So I just started to research it and unpack it and read a bunch of books and, 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 you know, leaned into it, learned, like just kind of gobbled up every bit of information that I could get um, and discovered that I had a real knack for understanding and a real passion for delivering that information to other people. But I'll tell you that in the last couple of years since I discovered human design, it has helped me really understand why I got so so burnt out, like with my adrenals. Um, and also it's given me insight into why it's so important that we have this, this information. Because when we're looking around at other people, all we see are the cars, right? All we see are the bodies. We don't know what's under the hood. No. So it's so easy for us to be conditioned because we have no idea how that person is meant to be functioning. So case in point, I am a projector in human design, um, which means I have very specific gifts and skills and um, the way that I'm meant to operate is very different than 70% of the population. I was raised by my mother, who is a manifesting generator, who is very, very different from a projector, energetically speaking. But we look alike. We're in the same family. We're both women. I was raised to believe that I needed to be doing all of these different things all of the time. And that there's no blame here. I'm just showing you that part of the reason that I burned out was because I was receiving information um, that was conditioning me to believe that this is just what life was. Like you're always busy. You don't rest. You do a bunch of things at the same time. You always have different projects going on and that kind of thing. And my, my design is very, very different than that. My design is like default setting, rest, horizontal, like work from flat. Like that's sort of where I am. My gifts come from that space. But I you know, I owned a bookstore for 10 years where I was hauling, you know, 30 pound boxes of books and building bookstores and, and, and doing all of these kinds of physical things and was not allowing myself to rest or to, to operate in my own gifts because I was still trying to do it the way that I saw the majority of the people around me doing it. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for me. And then huge for me, you know, reading, even reading human design for children, for, you know, I'll read to the parents for their children so that they know who they're raising and they can raise these children according to their, to their energy type. Right. So across the board, it's so beautiful and so helpful. So I'm assuming you did that with your own children. Is that right? I sure did. And guess what? what? They're both manifesting generators. So oh. they are just like my mom which is very, very different than me. And it was so profound to learn that about them because if I had known that when, when my daughter was born nine years ago, if I had known that she was a manifesting generator and if I had known that I was a projector, I would have gotten so much more help and I would have understood that when I was following the baby books and they were saying, if she's having a hard time going to sleep, put her to bed an hour earlier, she's overtired, was the exact opposite of what was happening. She had too much energy in her tank and needed to be in like, you know, toddler gymnastics every single day because she needed to burn that fuel and it exhausted me. I didn't sleep for two, almost three years when I had my first, my first um, child. And then both of them are manifesting generators. So now I'm equipped as a parent to make sure they get enough exercise, make sure that they're responding to things the way that they're meant to respond to things. And then also hold space for myself to honor the way that I'm meant to do things. So they know mom has to rest. Mom's going to go get on the bio mat. 
like if mom finishes a client, you know, a session, she has to go get flat. She mm. has to rest and, and things like that. And, and the, the most amazing thing is like when we understand our own human design, we're able to hold space for ourselves. And then it gives permission to other people to hold space for themselves in the way that they're meant to do things. And there's just a lot of grace involved. involved. Right. Interesting. So how does mindfulness and human design connect? What's the connection there? You know, I, I really think that mindfulness is paramount in us getting back to that authentic self. So when we understand that it's okay, and, 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 and even the way that we can be mindful according to our human design is, um, is so helpful. Like for me, when I wake up in the morning, I always want to be I always want to be in mindfulness mode, Bruce. Like I want to start my day anchoring myself into that space. So in that time, I, the, the moment I wake up in the morning, I put, you know, my headphones in and I play, um, a, a custom hypnotic audio that connects me to my authentic soul self. And in that space, I honor the fact that I am a projector and that I'm not going to jump out of bed and create a, a to-do list that's longer than my arm. And in setting that mindfulness time aside that honors my, my um, human design, like my energetic type, I've equipped myself to go through the day knowing that I hear my limits, hear my goals, hear, you know, like when we have this deep understanding of ourselves and then add in mindfulness, which connects us to our highest self, we're, we're doing a, a ton of work even before we get going or when we come out of that mindful, um, you know, uh, you know, meditation or what it, whatever it is that we do, or if you're a manifesting generator and you want to do a moving meditation because you, you got to move that body. Well, then suddenly you might shift what mindfulness means to you. Oh, I need to be moving. Like you might start thinking outside of the box of, well, mindfulness needs to be me sitting down and, you know, doing this in a chair or something to, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. I really need to move my body or I'm a manifester and I really just need to get out there and start to speak. Maybe I'm going to pop my earbuds in and record while I talk or while I walk. Like it just sort of weaves itself together where everything gets um, an upgrade when you know your human design because any, anything you lean into you've got this behind you to, to guide you to the next right thing, to the next right coach, to the next right, you know, you know, modality or book that you want to pick up. It's like, well, that's not going to work for me because that's Tony Robbins and I'm a projector. So right. I, I'm going to take less from him, you know, but someone else might take everything that he says and be able to immediately put it into practice and make a bunch of money. I don't know. <laughs> Heidi, I, I want to ask you to do something that I hope isn't too difficult. I want you to go back three or four years to those days when you were feeling the anxiety and the depression. Can you describe that to us? How did you feel? What were you going through? What were your thoughts? I mean, at that point, I had on paper, things looked really beautiful, to be honest with you. I had a very successful business in Los Angeles with my former husband. I had two children who had con been conceived through in vitro and frozen embryo transfer. Um, we had, we had um, opened an, a second bookstore um, where we were living and you know, we had money in the bank. We had our health, you know, generally speaking, like I was functional and the kids were healthy. Um, but I, I really felt, I mean, I was so empty. 
I just felt like I really got to a point where I kind of wanted to wrap my car around a tree. Like I just didn't, I had lost hope. I really had lost hope. I mean, it was to the point where I was, I was dumping cortisol. I mean, I was making so much cortisol and I had just fried my adrenals Mm -hmm. to the point that I could be standing in the kitchen and then just fall to my knees. I mean, and just weep. Like I just could not, I could not stand on my own two feet and I knew something was wrong. And so I went, you know, to my naturopathic doctor and, and she said, we've got to run tests. Like we need to run tests right now. And I was just shy of being hospitalized. Um, and that was a radical uh, awakening for me. Like I, I really had to change or I wasn't going to be around, you know, not that I was intentionally going to, to take my life, but I, I was dying. I mean, my body, my, my, you know, things were starting to shut down. So, um, and it's definitely, honestly, adrenal fatigue Mm. is not something that I would wish on any human being because there's no fast way to heal and it just feels devastating. And what was your first step in the right direction as a result of this visit to your, your naturopathic doctor? I, she, I mean, she, she wanted to send me away on vacation Okay. <laughs> and I wish I would have done that. Honestly, I wish I would have done that. And I really had to scale back on everything. I mean, I had, it's ironically, I had just started training Brazilian jujitsu and she said, no, you have to stop. And I just thought it was a way for me to release a lot of that cortisol and be very aggressive. And, um, so I had to go off of that for, I don't even know, six months or something. Um, but I really had to start taking deep care of myself. Like I had to rest a lot. I needed to hire help for my kids. I had to ask family for help with the kids. Um, and I had to dial back everything I was doing for the the businesses in order to heal. But it mm-hmm. took a long time. And I, I ended up having to go to a second doctor who is a specialist out of Pennsylvania, um, to really heal. And it was so interesting because everything we did to heal, it was very, very natural. It was all, it was, you know, vitamins and supplements, but I'd been doing that already. And then I found this man, um, this doctor and he, that's what shifted it for me. And I really do still have to be careful because now I've got this stress response disorder where I've been living in, in that place for so long. And then understanding that I'm a projector and sort of prone to burnout if I don't watch it. Um, I have to be really careful and I can feel it immediately. It comes in my eyeballs. Like I can feel when I'm like, oops, I'm getting too, too far off. You know, let me go away for a couple of nights or let's send the kids to grandma and grandpa's, but really holding space for, for me to be healthy. And back then, what was the response from your ex? Did you feel like you had support from there? Um, yeah, I, I did. I mean, we, we really had a very platonic um, marriage at, you know, at that point. Um, we were very much partners. We had grown a, a very, very beautiful bookstore together in Los Angeles and cared very much for each other. And, but we, we were running two bookstores in two states. <laughs> so he was gone a lot. Um, you know, half the month he would be gone in Los Angeles. And what was so beautiful and fortunate is that we had, um, we had the finances to, to get some help for me, like just help with the kids, like a, a babysitter would come and someone would come and help me clean the house. And, um, so, and, and support, he could see me, 
he could see me that I was really, really hurting. Like he mm-hmm. could see when I was falling apart, you know, in the kitchen, he could see that something was really, really wrong. Um, and I felt, I, I think he may have even felt a little bit helpless. Like, how do you help? And there isn't other than getting help for the, you know, taking things off the plate of the person who's got this adrenal um, fatigue is the way that you help because all of the healing is internal. I mean, there isn't, there is no pill. There is no like quick fix for this. So I was fortunate in that way. Wow. It must have been such a challenge as you move forward and uh, you just didn't know exactly where you were headed or did you? At that point, I I didn't. I think that that was sort of my wake up call. I mean, um, I've heard, you know, there are so many stories of, of specifically women who found that they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in this marriage and it just doesn't feel, it's just not right. And that's when the soul starts to you know, speak a little bit and kind of try to shine out and push those layers. Like I'm under here and this just isn't like, this is out of alignment for you and you've chosen it for good reason. And it's served you for so, for so long. Um, but it's not right. And we're dying and Mm -hmm. I need to show you that you're actually dying. Like you're actually hurting your physical body. Um, and so at that point I really just had to go head on, healing the physical body. And as I did that, I started to really work on that subconscious conditioning that I had, um, those layers that were there. And I, I leaned into so many different modalities. I mean, I journaled a ton. I saw counselors for years. I did different, different, um, therapies, you know, for my physical health that also leaned into, um, my spiritual health or my emotional health or my energetic health as well. I really leaned into everybody. I was like, somebody help, like anybody help me. Like if anybody can give me a tool, I'll take it. Um, um, and that's what led to just sort of me really slowly realizing, well, I'm, I'm going to leave this marriage, but I'm going to do it really beautifully. And I took a really, really long time of doing the work of identifying, you know, my role in, in us getting to where we got to and why it wasn't a good fit and what I wanted to see on the other side of it for both of us. And I'm happy to say that we had a really beautiful, um, release of our marriage and both of us immediately, immediately found um, partnership with the loves of our lives. Mm. So it was something really um, divine, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And as he did all this journaling and all this work, all this soul searching, did you ever, uh, did you ever recollect any bullying incidents? Were you ever bullied as a child or as an adult where that would have affected some of this problem that you were going through? Absolutely. I, I, I was my biggest bully. Mm. I was, I think because there was so much that happened when I was a a kid, not that things were happening to me, but it was a lot of loss. It was a lot of um, not having the things that I needed in place. And I really started to turn things onto myself. And as a child, we don't know not to do that. So I made a lot of things my fault or my problem. And I, I, really, I really adopted this mentality towards myself of if I'm, if I'm the harshest towards myself, then anything anyone throws at me won't hurt. So I just, I mean... I just hated myself. I mean, I mm. hated parts of myself and, and I had this, if one part is wrong, the rest can't be accepted. Um, and so I was 
very, very cruel to myself because I just, I was so afraid of being hurt again by someone else. And so that was, I mean, and that took a long time to heal from. And that really kept me separate though. Those were big layers between me and, and accepting and loving my authentic self and my soul. I was living from this representative who hated herself mm. and that's really hard. Yes. Yes. That is incredibly hard. Wow. Well, now you help other people. Now you help other people on a regular basis. And not only do you do human design reading, but you also do hypnosis. Tell us about what that has done for you and some of your clients. How have you moved into this field of hypnosis? When I found human design, I thought this is amazing, but I always knew that it wasn't going to be my platform. I always, always knew in my, in my soul that, you know, in there, I knew that there was going to be something else. And I just would set an intention of like, I'm going to receive that somehow I'm going to be led to the next right thing. And I, and I literally one morning I said, tell me what's next. Like, I know I want to work with the subconscious mind. I want to I, tell me what it is because I know that I'm not going to go back to school traditional, you know, the traditional route and become a therapist. And I said, I know that there's something else for me. And literally 10 minutes later, I went to turn on my phone and there was an ad for, um, for, um, Cascade Hypnosis Center. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was Erica and she was talking about hypnosis and I was immediately hooked and I, I, you know, applied and I got in and I, and I studied and I became certified with the National Guild of Hypnotists as, and, and I'm also certified as a master hypnotist in five path. And I am telling you, Bruce, in all that I have gone through, and in the, in the decades that I have spent leaning into healing modalities, this is this is the most healing that I have. I wish that I had had this so long ago. I would have had a completely different life if I had had this therapy when, you know, this hypnotherapy when I was, you know, in my teens, in college, it, wherever. So I found it and immediately it was like, oh, this fits, this fits because this goes hand in hand. I mean, human design is really helpful and hypnosis is healing. And the two of those things together are just like a harmonious dream team because the, the unofficial rule of thumb with human design is that when you discover your human design, it takes seven years to decondition to the point that you're living your human design. Mm. And I'm like, we don't have time to waste. Like, I, I'm not no. interested in, in giving human design to people and then just saying, hey, good luck on the next seven years. Like, you've got a lot to deprogram <laughs> decondition. Yep. And so here came hypnosis and it, it is so healing. I mean, it is radical transformation. It happens so quickly. And I have worked with, um, so many people that have worked on themselves. I mean, that's what I do. I, I really work with motivated people who are already doing their work to uncover themselves, to heal themselves, to unblock. Um, and, and I, I just, just going to ask you, yeah, describe your ideal client. And it sounds like you're already doing that. I am working. I am. I, I work very closely with, you know, my ideal, my ideal people. And they're, and they're just regular people who, who have heeded the call from their soul to ditch the stuff that's in the way and untether themselves from the stories that are holding them back. A lot of them are um, very interested in moving themselves forward. So they might listen to Joe Dispenza. They might, um, they might lean into 
um, Abraham Hicks or different healers or people that are trying to move, move the narrative forward of here, you can heal yourself. Let me show you how. And so they're giving they're but here's the thing that's different about hypnosis. It's like, we can lean into all of those things and they can have an effect, but it's working from the outside in. It's sort of chipping away at, oh, this just happened last week and now I need to clear it out. And so I'm working on that. But here's how I like to talk about hypnosis, five path hypnosis. Um, if your conscious mind is a house, then we go down the stairs into the basement, which is in the earth. And that house is tiny and that basement is, you know, whatever, 90% bigger, whatever, huge basement. And that's mm -hmm. your subconscious mind. And, and everything that's happening consciously is coming from the infrastructure of the subconscious. So when, when you have a guide, when you have specifically a, you know, a five path certified hypnotist with these specific um, tools and, and this modality and these mechanics, they take you from the conscious down that flight of stairs into the basement and open that door and turn the light on. You don't go there. I mean, we pass it. We pass by that door to the basement, to the subconscious mind on our way down to the unconscious, which is sleep. But we rarely open the door. And if we do, it's like we're going to step in at the first couple of feet and, you know, whatever. But when you have a guide with you, a five path hypnotist, we know exactly what we're doing in that space and everything. I like to see it in my mind's eye. I see it as if, you know, our soul, our, our, our original soul self is in that basement. And there are so many programs that we don't know how to even access her. And so when we do this work, it's, it's the client's own insight and it's the client's own soul that is indicating to us which programs need to be looked at so that we can have access once again. And we bring them together, this conscious part, you know, this, this representative person gets reconnected to their worthiness because they're reconnected to their original soul self through this work. And, and we can work, my clients have spent, Hey, I've spent a year, you know, working on this specific thing in therapy and it didn't do anything. And I said, well, like, give me 45 minutes and uh, here it comes because we can work on things consciously, but the root of that belief, the root of that, um, response that we have, like, oh, I get so triggered by this and this is my response. Well, that's all, I mean, that's all subconscious programming. So when I'm able to go in there and it is profound, I mean, I have a chair in my office when I do in person, which is, um, it's still distanced. It's across my office, but I have a chair in my office that has been baptized with the tears of people who have come home to themselves wow. and it is so beautiful. And I also run my, my sessions, um, virtually and the same thing happens because we create rapport with one another and a safe energetic space. So I love working with people that have already tried to do the work and maybe they've gone down and they've knocked on that door or they've dipped in and they've done a couple of things to reprogram or unblock certain things. But when we go in there, we have the tools to actually dismantle and find where the thing began, find right. where that program began and just dismantle and unplug. I really love how you described this with the house and the big basement and turning on the light. <laughs> I really like that. So tell us about one of your clients, how they were able to, to transform their life lives as a result of not only the hypnosis, but the human design. Wonderful. Yeah. I have a client who, um, I read human design for a few years ago, probably maybe 
yeah, 2019, I think. Um, and then she returned to me in 2020 to do hypnosis. And she was really just looking at clearing out limiting beliefs around money because she, from the time she was even in utero, was receiving messages from her parents by, by hearing what they were talking about, hearing the frustration and the, you know, the disagreements about money and stress about money. And so there was already a scarcity story being absorbed by her from a very, very young age, like pre-birth. Um, and then that story just continues. We have subsequent sensitizing events that continue to show us like, oh, mom gets upset and she cries and she yells. Um, you know, and dad's trying to do this and that triggers mom and it's always about money. And so money's scary mm -hmm. and I don't like, I can't have it and it's not safe and there's never enough and whatever. And she just really wanted to clear those beliefs out. So we did five paths and it was so beautiful. And, you know, it doesn't matter what takes us down the stairs. Like the willingness to go down is, is, is really what it takes for us to, to take someone into hypnosis and go into that space. Um, of the basement subconscious programming, and then we can discover what needs to be cleared out. And while we're in there, we might find things that have nothing to do with money that still need to be removed. And so all roads lead to Rome. Like we're still getting down into that space, no matter if we're dealing with, you know, someone who's got a limiting belief around money, or if it's about their worth or you know, food or eating cookies or sugar or something. But we did five path in the fall or the winter, fall or winter of last year. And she really wanted to come to a place of peace and under, and, and in recognizing and receiving her innate worthiness to actually be okay financially, to have mm -hmm. financial peace and security. And she was very concerned about her, her retirement, you know, you know, in, uh, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 years, like very sure. concerned about that and lived a very, um, lived a life that was very, um, not simple, but, but, um, minimal, a very minimal life because she had this programming of, you know, let's not spend a lot of money on extra things on beautiful things. Let's just have what we need. Let's just mm -hmm. have what we need. And, um, we did this beautiful five path and I, I gave her a, I customized an audio when she finished that was full of the things that she had gained from the five path. And then I, and then I put in the things that she wanted to be true and that she wanted, I really want, I really do want to have peace around my finances. I really do want to have peace about retirement. So I created this audio for her and, um, she ended up like retiring last week. Retiring. Yeah. Really? <laughs> she did. So she went in less than six months. She went from being very scarce mentality and very careful with her money and very, you know, having to say yes to jobs that didn't align with her um, because she was operating from that scarce place. And we did this work together. And then I've given her two audios since then that have just continued to move her forward. And of course, she's done other work outside of this, like, you know, just leaning into like energetics and understanding the way that energy works and the way that, you know, what is money energy and different things like that. And she's really done her, her work to continue to, uh, open herself up to these new beliefs. And she had really radical things happen right away. That and then is very she, exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a very big story, but all of my clients leave and say, um, you know, thank you for changing my life. Like some, something has shifted and I have been operating under this. I have another client who, 
who, who did two rounds of five path with me and recently finished it up. And she's a different person. I mean, she's wearing different clothing. She's picking different colors to wear. She's, you know, her business has taken off. Her relationships have changed. She's been reunited with her worth in a way that she is able now to live from this really authentic place. And then when we, when we align with our authentic self, we automatically give to the world exactly what we're meant to be giving. And that I think is the most important thing that we can do. Like most important self-care we can perform is caring for our subconscious mind and our energetic body and, and holding space for those two things. I absolutely so, agree. I absolutely agree. Your website, HeidiHazen.com and Hazen is H-A-Z-E-N, H-A-Z-E-N if you're in <laughs> America. And uh, yeah, HeidiHazen.com and it's a beautiful website. I will say that it's oh, really you. beautiful and it's it's very impelling. I mean, you you tell such such powerful stories in there, mm. and uh, yeah, I find that your website is really excellent. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Heidi. And the first one is this: so just thirty second answers are perfect. The first one is this: who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My friend Brian Tieleman was one of my great spiritual teachers, and he used to sit in a leather chair every morning. First thing in the morning, he would sit in the leather chair, and he was just mindful. He would sit there. He would read, you know, he would read a book, or he would read um, maybe a, something out of the Bible or something like that, and he would just ruminate on it. He would just sit in that space and really let the, let the day sink in, let the thoughts sink in, let communication happen to him and you know a, a God or a higher source or whatever. And he used to say to his wife, who was a good friend, he used to say, "Did you sit in your chair today?" And that became just like this little thing, you know, I thought to my, I would think to myself, have I done that? Have I sat in my chair today? Whatever that means, you know, metaphorically. So. That's really interesting. It really yeah. is. Uh, I want to talk about emotions. So mm. how have, I'm not going to say your emotions changed, but how has it changed as far as how you deal with your emotions since you have been doing this work? I am no longer a victim of my emotions. I am in control of them. When I started to realize that every time I have an emotional response, it's actually, it's actually a gift. Um, it's a gift that's an arrow pointing to, to the exact, it's a layer. It's pointing to a layer. It's pointing to a wound. And if we continue to just have that trigger evoke that emotional response, then we're at the mercy of any time triggering if someone triggers us in that way by doing this work, I, I, I have been able to, um, claim ownership and agency over my internal landscape, which is my emotional landscape. And so now I'm, I'm the one in control of the way that I respond to things instead of me being at the mercy of whatever response gets kicked up by whatever's happening on the outside. Sure. Sure. Let's talk about breathing. How is mm -hmm. breathing a part of your mindfulness practice? I mean, a deep breath, can change everything in a moment. I, that's something that I've taught my children since they were tiny, tiny, and they'll do it on their own. When we're having, you know, an emotional outburst or something because, you know, they don't get to play iPad or something, they will stop. And, and we can just look at each other across the room and we, we know that the cue is um, take three deep breaths. And it's funny because they will teach me when they see me, when I'm in a mode, you know, when I'm uh, when I'm overwhelmed because I put too much on my plate, and they can see it, they'll say, "Mom, just take a deep breath. Just take three deep breaths." So it's really part of our 
our arsenal of self-care in my, in my whole home. And it's part of grounding. It's part of being in the body, like just taking in that breath. And I use it a lot in my hypnosis because people will naturally take a breath and release when something really profound has just happened. And it's just beautiful. It's just, it's, it's part of our animal nature. Well, I know you're a lover of books, having started two bookstores with your ex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what book would that be? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, I think the first book that I probably read that that allowed me to see things from a place where I could actually accept mindfulness was The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Mm. And I think that that was the pivotal part of me going on my own healing journey was I, I felt like I pulled my head out of the sand and suddenly I was like, oh, this can be done a completely different way, which opened me up to being able to see and understand what meditation or mindfulness could could mean for me. Very interesting. I really enjoy his books as well. So I'm, I'm fascinated that that's your recommendation. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I mean, I use two apps every morning. One is um, Insight Timer, which I know a lot of your guests um, recommend because it's so amazing. I mean, thank you, Insight Timer, for existing. Um, And I use that while I also use another app called Enzo, E-N-S-O, which is just, it's a timer, but it allows you to set intervals. And I find it's very intuitive. I think it's only for iPhone right now, but um, I use that when I do self-hypnosis in the morning. I use um, I use Insight Timer as the background music to help me drop into that um, subconscious space. And uh, yeah. Heidi, it's fascinating to talk to you. It really is. And you've got so, you've really done so much of the work yourself so that you can help so many other people. I want to know if you can give us a piece of advice before we leave for anyone who's listening to this thinking, oh, I, I kind of identify with where Heidi was. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. What would your words of advice be to that person, Heidi? Listen to it. Listen, listen to that still small voice that is saying something is off, something is not right. And I really honestly believe that I hate it when people say the answer is within you without then giving you the means to access that answer, because I do actually believe that answers are buried within us. But in act, in it, we have to be able to access those answers. So I hate to say, listen to it and you have the answer, but I, I would want that person to listen to it. Listen to that voice. When, when something is telling you that something is off, listen to that. And then reach out. Find, find someone. Find someone, um, a professional, um, you know, a hypnotist. I mean, there, there should be so many more of us, Bruce. I mean, that is yes. part of my mission is to we got to raise up an army of, of hypnotists because this is such important work. But I wouldn't want that person to bury it anymore because their soul is trying to indicate to them there's some sh- there's some shifts that need to be made and some changes that need to be made in 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 an effort to become whole and healthy and well and reunited with their worthiness and lovability like it's so profound when we go through that metamorphosis back it's it's a revolving it's not an evolving i think we have to revolve first back to our before born self to that original soul self that was connected to the divine and and knew that that they were loved and worthy and nothing was wrong with them 
And then when we do that and integrate the lessons that we've had from birth until we get to this pivotal moment, then we get to evolve and our soul gets to change the narrative. Heidi, it has been so great talking with you today. And I really appreciate you being on Mindfulness Mode. It's been awesome. And I can't wait to talk to you again. So thanks very much, Heidi. Thank you so much, Bruce. It has been such a pleasure. I love spending time with you. You're one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. And, I, and it's a privilege to call you friend. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening today, as always. And wasn't that interview with Heidi great? I really enjoy Heidi. She's so authentic. She's so real. And, you know, if you're looking for someone to help you through some challenges, maybe through hypnosis, check out Heidi and the work she does at HeidiHazen.com. Or, of course, you can always connect with me and set up a Uh, session with me just send me an email and we'll talk about what we can do and get the right person set up to help you if you're experiencing anxiety or stress or this feeling like there's something more and you just can't figure out what it is if you're having problems with your inner bully try becoming this person who takes action who just makes the decision and takes action And, you know, maybe it's your inner bully that's derailing you. Well, reach out to me and and let's talk about this. Let's talk about how I can help you by using hypnosis. Let's set up a time and make a Zoom call and uh, just talk this over. A free Zoom call. Let's do it. Send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put Heidi Hazen in the subject line and then I'll know that you heard me on this episode. Do it right now. Make it a priority. Send that email so we can get started and you can become empowered to create a better life for yourself. Mindful Tribe, I I just want you to have a great week. And remember, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.